Chet Faker, low on Island 1069, W-I-I-S-Q West. Before that, you heard Sleater Kinney, Worry With You. We play the best alternative rock right here. Good morning, Gwen Filosa in with you for It's Too Early. That's the name of the show. And broadcasting right from Duval Street. Well, off, not on the street, but right off the street from the big studio. Super excited to have my guest this morning. His writing has appeared in the New Yorker, the Paris Review, and the New York Review of Books, among other places. His graphic novel is called Olivia Twist. He's also a book critic. He's done a lot of work. Adam Dalva, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on, Gwen. This is so excited. Is it is it too early for you, Adam? Uh... It's not normally, but I saw the Nicolas Cage pig movie really late last night. Uh-oh. So it is a little too early today, Uh-oh. but that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. It's super exciting <laughs> to have you on. You've done so much work and writing. want to start, though, with the graphic novel Olivia okay. Twist. Um, I think people have an idea of what it's about, but go ahead and tell <laughs> us all about it. Oh, thank you so much. So I've always loved the the book Oliver Twist, of course. Um, And one thing I love about it is that Dickens is really writing about concerns about technology in the future. Uh, For him, that was industrialization, taking kids away, making everything too fast, causing pollution. And so when I was thinking about what would be the perfect book as like an allegory for the problems of right now, um, that's the first book that came to mind. So my co-writer, Darren Strauss, who's a wonderful writer and memoirist, uh, probably most well-known for his book Half a Life and and Chang'an, we took Oliver, and as you probably guessed, turned him into Olivia, Mm -hmm. and we took the action uh, into 2050 in London. And it's a London that's a bit steampunk, but also a bit dissipated. It's not like a gleamy, techie future. And we follow basically the the big, broad strokes of Oliver Twist, but we illustrate it and we have sentient robots and we have big plot twists and we have a love triangle uh, in this group of sort of outsiders. And, you know, we do have a lot of fun also. There is a gang of thieves. There is a Fagin. So, you know, we hold pretty close to the plot. That's great. I love the cover. The the artwork is spectacular. <laughs> oh, it, Emma Viacelli. She oh, is a real? genius. And it, it yeah. looks it uh, Olivia looks looks like she's kind of tough, but is she tough? She is tough because she is is raised in, you know, an orphanage and this is not like a good orphanage. This is like a workhouse orphanage. Like this mm. is very 1870s orphanage. And so you have to be tough in a place like that. Uh but she has an a heart of gold and the reason the whole book starts is she tries to protect a much younger orphan um, on the very day she could have been released. She makes she makes the decision to turn back and help him instead of just walk out of this place she hates. And that is what sets the whole thing in motion. And I think when you're raised sheltered, and, and maybe this is something I, I was thinking about, you know, you don't see some of the things about the world that are scary uh, and, and weird. So she has a lot to learn. And her tough exterior does kind of melt away as she gets into a love triangle and realizes that she's really meant to be not just sort of someone who experiences change, but someone who causes change. Wow. And um, let's talk more about the technology thing, because we mm-hmm. just got um, I mean, 2020 was the, the year that lots of people discovered TikTok and um, <laughs> and, and Zoom and, and all these things to, to yeah. make life, uh, you know, a, a little little bit easier to communicate, obviously. Uh, what was your 2020 like? Did you um, discover new ways of communication or? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I I actually have a piece on a website called Catapult about um, Zoom dysmorphia that ran a couple like of weeks it. ago. Like Thank it. you. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time on Zoom. Um, I think as many of us did. I'm, I'm a college professor, so two classes, you know, uh, on Zoom, a weekly poker game on Zoom, nice. and um, three times a week I wake up at six in the morning to write, which sounds horrible. And so I have a Zoom kind of accountability group. They're the only thing that gets me up, and I'm the only thing that gets them up. They're kind of waiting on the screen in the morning. Um, that's the only thing that kind of gets me social and got me going in the kind of the dark days of 2020 was to know that my friends were sort of waiting for me out there. Um, and the Zoom dysmorphia piece is about something that I was noticing, which is how little I could see myself uh, on Zoom. Even though I was staring at myself all day, I started to really find it difficult to understand what I looked like. I looked so different mm -hmm. on different days. And I talked to this um, dermatologist and plastic surgeon from Harvard, and she said 90% of new cosmetic procedures are neck up procedures and almost all the patients cite zoom as a reason no way yeah that, that makes that makes sense when i'm on zoom i can't help but just look at myself and fix my hair <laughs> and you're i don't it's too late now i mean it's been a year but i i think you're supposed to look at other people in the square yeah the rumor is it's polite but you know they don't know and i definitely like move my square to like the top middle so it's closest to the camera you know oh, so people think i'm being so polite and staring at the camera i am just looking at my jawline I, and in the end i'm i'm raising my i'm a lot older than you i think <laughs> raising my head a little bit and uh it uh but it, I, I actually really appreciated zoom i don't well, i'm tired of watching people eat i think that has to stop I mean, that was, it's like yogurt oh come on um, and they don't ask there's no do no, you mind if i eat no and they get up they're walking around you have an empty chair that always i did some stand-up and the, they kept flashing to this empty couch and i was like this is not making me feel well good about myself um uh, adam you have you know done a, a lot of uh a, a lot of residencies writing residencies mm -hmm. vermont studio the atlantic center for the arts tin house summer workshop what, yeah what is it like to uh, i mean do, do do writers need these to to have the time or what's it like to go to all these well i i, I always tell writers that if you feel like you have a wonderful daily practice and you feel like like a writer you're not just a writer but you feel like a writer and i know amazing writers who don't feel like writers you know if, if you have that identity affirmed if you have the hours in the day you don't need to go although they're really fun and like summer camp for adults and they break up i can, can't think of something that breaks up more marriages than <laughs> writing <laughs> writing retreats but so there is all that but i think for me there is this really kind of fascinating validation to sort of waking up no one knows you you get a breakfast you get a lunch you get a dinner and you can be antisocial if you want many of these residencies have tables where you don't have to talk um nice. you can just sit and work on your stuff all day i actually just got back from one in iceland i was there for a month at a, at a writing residency at a little 100 person town and so the sun didn't set and you know i was writing at like 3 a.m you, you know mm -hmm. and and because it's a residency you can really set your schedule as you like so it, it's a way of immersing oneself in in a work i'm working on kind of a long novel right now and sometimes you need to go a little insane when you're writing a novel and i think residencies are like an accelerant in that process i like it okay i have to ask you about iceland just because i've never been anywhere yeah except oh, Antigua. iceland seems <laughs> like a, a, a big transition from new york <laughs> yes yes it is very different from new york i mean while i was there a massive volcano was erupting which oh, was 
dope. Uh, and we, you know, drove to look at it and, you know, you see inside the world and thousand year old, thousands and thousands of year old lavas shooting into the sky above you. And you think, oh, this might not be right. And then you drive 30 minutes and you see a glacier, you know, that's, that's Iceland. Um, it is definitely the, the whole fire and ice thing, you know, is, is real. Um, but it's also a wonderful place in the national, um, cemetery, like presidents and poets, the only people <laughs> who were buried there. Okay. So it really venerates writers. It's a huge writing culture. I think there are more published novelists by percentage of, of population than any other place on the world. Uh, so writers will be like, that sounds horrible. But I think for, <laughs> because I, you know, everyone has a novel in a drawer, everyone, because it's dark all winter. You're going to write a novel. That's great. Where, what was your 2020 like with writing? I mean, obviously you were teaching, but uh, yeah. were, were you able to stay motivated, inspired, or how, how was it? I think like, like a lot of us in March and April, I have a pretty vigorous like journaling practice every morning where I just kind of try to notice things. I'm not like, hey, this happened to me yesterday. Sometimes I am, but more often I'm journaling, and I just see in my journals in March and April that there's this sudden panic that I'm not doing anything. Like, I, I'm not writing a word. I'm watching the news. I'm, like, incensed on the floor uh, for parts of every day. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the start. But I found, actually, a lot of freedom and liberation in writing as, as the year went on. Um, it kind of got me out of the loop. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm doing something creative, I, I turn on a, a, an app called Freedom. I block the internet. It blocks my phone. Mm-hmm. Um and so I'm just kind of alone with myself. And that can be a scary thing when things are so dark out there. But I ended up writing a lot of journalism, um, a lot of essays, and, you know, starting a, a novel that I'm really fond of. And, and, and I think the novel is set kind of now, so I could feed in a lot of my anxiety about what was going on out in the world into the work. And I think being a writer, you always think, what can I use? Even if you don't know you're thinking that, you're thinking that. So... It does make all things, I think James Baldwin wrote about this, that, you know, he always felt like he was standing slightly to the side of the stage, even if mm. he was on the stage. And and that was sort of how I felt. Now, you're also a book critic. You're on the board mm-hmm. of the National Book Critics Circle, and you're a book critic for Publishers Weekly. And I'm going to say the yeah. other one wrong. Guernica? Guernica, but oh, you did great. No, that was awful. <laughs> Guernica, <laughs> Guernica. And uh, thank you, though. Uh, what is it like to be a book critic? And I want to know, is are there times that you're like, I'm just going to give this person a break, even though this is bad. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I try, I think we all try to be a little gentle with debut novels. I don't know mm. if we should be doing that, but I think there is this, like, impulse to do it. So, Publishers Weekly is different than other kinds of criticism. National Book Critics Circle is a huge honor. Um, we get hundreds. I get, I have like 300 books on my floor right now, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. And we have to kind of know about all of them. Um, so I kind of know about all the books that are coming out this year. And I kind of have a sense of which ones I really need to be reading. And I'm, I'm pretty fast. I, I'm reading a book like every two days right now, just trying to really mm. stay on top of it. Um, Publishers Weekly is anonymous. So when I file a review there, there's no byline. And I have to fight, you know, you can, it's interesting, that thing about being mean, like if you're anonymous, you know, there is this like not social observation I've noted where I'm much more willing to say like, I don't think this part worked if my name is not on the byline. And I'm actually trying to fight that and, and sort of treat it, treat it the same whether I know the author will know I wrote it or not. Because I'm, when you're a critic who's also a fiction writer, you are always conscious of the fact that you're sort of 
talking about friends or people you know and how to kind of absent that from the room when you're writing criticism. So I take a very structural approach. I think a lot about the shapes of books and I keep asking myself questions like if I was not criticizing this book, would I still be reading it? I think that's kind of the operative question I'm, I'm always using. I, and I, I like uh, that you're a, a, you're a fiction writer and a teacher and, and you're a book critic. Because sometimes movie reviews, I'm, I'm reading them going, come on, man, you've never made a movie. You, <laughs> oh, I mean, some, I maybe some of them have. but So I, I, I think that you, you must have a little bit more um, maybe insight or you've done it. So you know what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot of fun in that. But then also, I also I also think there's value to critics like um, maybe like Instagram critics are really popular. TikTok critics are really big right now, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, who are representing people who just want a great time reading a book. So I think there's definitely value to both approaches. I also think every movie critic has a failed spec script. (laughs) (laughs) Some are a little mean. I'm like, it's just like sometimes I'm reading The New Yorker, which I love. And I'm like, it's just a movie. It's oh, not well, changing he... <laughs> your rent stays the same. It doesn't change your life. I, no, I'm kidding. But uh, you, 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 um, you do a lot of work. And I, I well, I know you have to ask. So you actually have physical books in your place. Not you don't do yeah. it all digital. Why is that? Um, I have I, I'm like I'm not a speed reader, but I, like I said, I read really fast. Um, I can't retain I think I read in a weird way. I read like kind of one paragraph at a time and I cannot retain information if I read it digitally, you know, in the same way. Like if, I, it's not like I forget what I read, but if I read a book and you give it to me three months later, I could say, oh, that, that happens on page 230 and I can flip it open and point to the scene. And that's just like a parlor trick uh, that's been pretty useful to me. If I'm reading it digitally, I don't have any spatial retention of it. So I, I'll read like, you know, like you said, The New Yorker, I'll, I'll read stuff online, but to, to remember a book, I need to read read the print copy of it. That's great. So, uh, wasting a lot of trees out there. No, no, it's just, and I don't, I just felt guilty, the, or strange, I, I held a, I, I got a, a physical, or I called a physical, a real book to hold, and it felt weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I and I, I just so did not want to do digital. I didn't want to read on a Kindle or whatever. I was like, no, mm-hmm. this is terrible. And now it's it's changed me. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you have been a delight to talk to Adam Dalva. Oh, thank you. Google Olivia Twist, everyone. Check it out. It is an amazing book and um thanks for taking the time. I hope we can have you back sometime. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks so much for having me on. I can't believe our 15 minutes are up already. It goes so fast. At first, people are like, 15 minutes? I'm like, speed <laughs> by, lady. It's, uh, but you've, you've been great, Adam. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Goodbye. And thank you all for tuning in today. I'm super appreciative of the support. And I will be back, um, well, weekdays at 8.15. I'm here. Also, the show is called It's Too Early with Gwen Filosa. That That's my name. And it's a podcast. So we, we keep the episodes on a podcast. It's on Podbean, Spotify, Audible. If you'd like to catch up on some shows and binge some. And uh, great comedian Chanel Ali was on and that one is up on there. Uh, we talked to Carol Baskin from the whole Tiger King documentary. And there's other authors and, you know great great artists and notable people so um excuse me uh my throat is dry uh we're gonna push on with a song and i'm gonna come back and give you your weather forecast this is k flay and the arkells you get you can get it you can get it island 1069 stick around
Flay, Arkells, you can get it on Island 1069. Gwen Filosa in with you this morning for It's Too Early. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to follow me on social media platforms, my reporter page on Facebook is Gwen Filosa, a journalist in Key West. And I'm on Twitter, Key West Gwen. I'm on Instagram, but it's kind of just like a picture of a rainbow. I, don't, I might like that. I don't know. It's, yeah, some workout gym photos. I don't just... It, uh, and when I look at a headline, how about one headline? Uh, Nancy Klingener from WLRN reported this on Twitter yesterday. She got the June numbers on hotels in Key West in June. Hotel occupancy was 92%. The average daily rate, $405. Now you're thinking, well, what was it like? Uh, let's go to June 2019, 87% occupancy, average daily rate, 239 and let's go to june 29 wait june 2020 everyone's asking about that and nancy reported the occupancy in june 2020 51 percent but the average daily rate 
$231. I want to thank Nancy for putting that on Twitter for us. And going to look at your weather forecast for today. It's going to be hot, everyone, but not in a bad. Well, I don't know. Mix of clouds and sun, a stray shower or thunderstorm possible, high near 90. Winds will be out of the east, northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, 82. 82 will be your low, partly cloudy skies. Winds will be light and variable. Go to flkeysnews.com for the latest Keys news. And thanks again for tuning in. Uh, again, podcast. Go to Podbean, Spotify, Audible if you'd like to tune into some other past shows. Maybe you want to hear them again. You're like, wow, that was such a great interview. I just want to keep playing it. It's uh, it's all there for you. This is Everclear, father of mine. Have a great and productive day, everyone. Talk to you tomorrow at eight fifteen. Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just close my eyes, my whole world is up.